0: of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week, we're going to be looking at the case of Illot and the Blue Cross. The citation for this case is 2017 UKSC 17. And when this judgment was handed down by the Supreme Court last month, it caused a furore in the headlines, and for good reason. It's one of those cases that has a great degree of intrigue relating to three things that always create a scoop. Death, money and family. At the centre of the case is the estate of a Mrs Jackson, who died back in 2004 without leaving anything for her daughter, Illut, the respondent. Instead, leaving almost all of her worldly possessions to the Blue Cross, as well as other charities. The exact reasons for doing this are not especially important for this case and date back almost 30 years now, but if you are like me and are a bit curious, then... It seems that when Mrs Illott was 17, she ran away from home with her boyfriend, whom Mrs Jackson did not approve of. That boyfriend became Mrs Illott's husband, and they are still married to this day, with five children. Over the years, there were few attempts at reconciliation between mother and daughter, but none of them stuck and it was clear from as early as 1983 that Mrs Illott would receive nothing from her mother's will. Nevertheless, when her mother died, Mrs Illott brought a claim against her mother's estate on the basis of the Inheritance Provision for Family and Act 1975. The aim of this statutory regime was to make some provision for close family members who had been left out of a will, and at this point it is probably important to point out that Mrs Illott and her family certainly did not live in the lap of luxury and in fact only lived on a very small income with the aid of benefit money from the government. The reason that this is important is because, according to the Act, in such circumstances the will should be adjusted to make, quote, reasonable financial provision, end quote. But the actual meaning of this is by no means certain, and so it was up to the court to decide how this should apply. In the original case before the district judge, Mrs Illert was granted £50,000, but when she appealed to the Court of Appeal claiming that this was too low, she was given £143,000 to buy her house outright and a further £20,000 to be received in one or more instalments. The reason for this is because the Court of Appeal held that the district judge made two errors in his approach to the case. Firstly, the district judge did not specify what the standard award would have been in the absence of the estrangement between the mother and daughter, as well as the lack of expectation of any money from the will. Secondly, the district judge did not consider the effect that his award would have on the benefits that Mrs Illott would receive. When the Supreme Court handed down its judgment, it began by noting the importance of testamentary freedom, in other words, the right of Mrs Jackson to dispose of her worldly goods in any way that she sees fit. Nevertheless, the right to reasonable financial provision is made clear in the 1975 Act, and this is an objective standard. The justices then went on to examine in detail the two arguments put forward by the Court of Appeal. Firstly, they noted that it is not correct to set a standard of reasonable provision in a case, and then vary that based on the factors set out in the Act. Instead, what the court should do is first examine all of the factors overall, and only afterwards come to a judgement as regards what constitutes reasonable financial provision. Secondly, it was identified that the accusation that the district judge did not consider the impact that the award would have on Mrs Illott's benefits was patently false. In fact, the judge considered this twice. It was certainly true that if Mrs Illott had savings of over £16,000, then she would lose entitlement to certain benefits, but then if she spent the award on making improvements to the home and other things, then her savings would stay below that prescribed limit. Finally, there was also a separate criticism of the Court of Appeals' judgement in the way that they equate Mrs Illett's claim with the claim of someone who is disabled. This is clearly not the correct approach, and nor is it especially appropriate. The important thing is to take each case on its own merits and look at the overall picture including the benefits received by a particular claimant. After this stinging takedown of the Court of Appeal judgement the Supreme Court restored the £50,000 award to Mrs Illert first set out by the district judge. Looking at this case overall it is a very difficult one to analyse and get right. I think that this is because it is quite easy to have sympathy with both sides. On the one hand, Mrs Jackson was very clear about her intentions within her will, and no one is going to begrudge charities like the Blue Cross getting a windfall. On the other hand, Mrs Illert is clearly not a well-off person, and has been through an extended legal battle just to try and make things a little easier financially for her family. Nevertheless, we can use this opportunity to examine the overall statutory regime in this area, and it is not long before we discover that it is desperately lacking. This is not surprising, perhaps, given that the Act dates back to 1975, and has not really been subject to many significant amendments during that time. In her own judgement, Lady Hale also brought attention to this point, and noted that although the legislation does set down the relevant factors, there is no indication given as to weighting between these factors, And so judges are essentially engaged in value judgments that may well shift from case to case. At first glance, we might look at this and say, well, isn't judging what judges do? But within these circumstances, the job of the justices or the judges at a lower level almost becomes a lot closer to legislating. And this obviously raises concerns and has repercussions relating to the separation of powers. Hopefully, the media attention that has been given to this case will spur the government into taking action. A lot of the focus has certainly been on what a great win this was for the charities, but a fair balance does have to be struck so that close relatives are not left destitute. Well, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the UK Law Weekly podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. If you did enjoy it, make sure to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. You can also subscribe to this podcast as well as get other videos via my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Marcus Cleaver. Well, that's all from me this week, so until next time, bye!